Hello, and welcome to Living Proof, the teaching ministry of Joseph Castillo. We encourage you to listen to today's message over and over again, so that the Word of God will be in your spirit. Be a blessing, share it with your friends, and we pray that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We also invite you to visit us online at www.anifbeijing.com. We have a picture here of a cruise ship and a battleship. And so the question is, you know, what kind of church do you want to go to? To be honest with you, most Christians want a cruise ship. They don't want to come to all-night prayer on Saturday night. They don't want to come to church extended revival Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. They don't want to meet on Thursdays for evangelism and door-to-door witnessing. They don't, they don't even want to come to church every week. Once. Most Christians want to be on a cruise ship. They don't want the pastor to tell them what you smoking, who you dating. <laughs> Amen. They don't want anybody meddling in their business. They don't want any accountability. Most Christians just want a nice cruise ship. As we saw in the video, who who's performing in the, you know, in the in the in the the with the reception hall or whatever and you know, how good is the service and and these are the kind of things that most Christians are looking for. But most Christians want a cruise ship, especially especially here in America. Now, I can't speak for much for England or Denmark or Sweden. I have been to some of those countries, but I, I haven't spent a lot of time in those nations. But, you know, most Christians that are in America and in Canada, they want to be on the cruise ship. They don't want to be on the warship. It's interesting because the gays are on the warship. It's interesting because they are. The gays have been meeting since the 70s in San Francisco, conspiring how they could infiltrate science, how they could infiltrate education, how they could infiltrate the universities, the, the elementary schools, the, the cartoons. They have been conspiring how they could infiltrate theology schools and seminaries, and they've been on a war path. They have been on a path, how could they influence legislation? How could they get influence Congress? The liberals or the progressives, whatever they call themselves, they are on a battleship. They're working overtime. They're working hard. They're sending the Democratic machine in Chicago to, to, to Georgia and to Arizona and to, uh, you know, Michigan and to Wisconsin to steal the votes, to swing the nation, to swing the country and the way that they go. And the Christians are on the cruise ship in 2020, at least, watching their services on Zoom. 
Isn't that interesting? So I find that most of Christians are on the cruise ship. But if the enemies of Christ are on a battleship and the Christians are on the cruise ship, who's going to win in the conflict between light and darkness in this nation? It's those who are on a war footing. You know, the devil, he is after us every day. Somebody prayed that the warfare would stop. Well, listen, if you want the warfare to stop, you're in the wrong religion. Because if you're a Christian, the enemy is going to constantly try to attack you. You, you, can't, you, you can't get around that. And if we are on a cruise ship, the enemy will defeat us at every chance that we have. I was speaking to my barber a couple of days ago when my barber said, like I hear many people all across the city of Tulsa say, I had a ministry. I was uh, serving God. I was on fire. I went to Bible school. I was at, in this his particular situation, he was at Ramah back in the 80s, and, and he was doing street ministry, and he was on fire, and he had a ministry. And he said, this was in the late 80s, early 90s, and now it's 2021. And he says, I don't know whatever happened to my ministry. I don't know. I just... I thought I was called. I knew I was called, uh, but I don't know what happened to it. And I've heard that same scenario here in this church time and time again from people, some people, you know, in sixty in their 60s, come into the church here and say, oh, I had a call. I went to Bible school. I once pastored, but I lost my calling. I lost my vision. I'm not in ministry. I'm not doing anything. They're on the cruise ship. This church here, obviously, I am not the captain of a cruise ship. Just so you know. <laughs> I'm not the captain of a cruise ship. And I expect the people that are members of this church to learn the word of God. <gasps> How dare you expect such a thing like me? I can't remember... Memorize the Bible? Isn't that something? Where a Jewish boy has to memorize the entire Torah by the age of 12 years old. By heart. Or he can't have his bar mitzvah. So we have 12 year olds that can, that can quote chapter and verse every single book and verse in the Torah. And we have 45 year old Christians that don't even know Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Luckily, we know John 3.16, and that's probably because of Tim Tebow. And Austin 3.16. I mean, because of pop culture, we know a couple verses. But, you know, the church is on a cruise ship. But this is not a cruise ship church. This is a battleship church. And I might just call Major Payne to come here and do a revival for us. How many remember Major Pain? Does your foot hurt? Yeah. Let me see your finger. <laughs> how's your foot feeling? Ah, I can't. ah, how's your foot? My foot's fine now. My finger, my finger. Hallelujah. How many of y'all see Major Pain? Let me see your hands if you see Major Pain. <laughs> Church is too far from me. I just got back from New Mexico on the Navajo Reservation. 
And I was on the reservation, which is the largest reservation in the world. And Gallup, New Mexico is the capital of all the native people. And I was there on the Navajo reservation and they said, let's take us to, we want to take you to our church. So I got in the car and an hour later I wake up because, you know, I fall asleep in air-conditioned vehicles, whether it's cars, buses, whatever, I fall asleep. So an hour later, I wake up, and we're in the middle of nowhere. We're actually at this, I think it was called Standing Rock Reservation. And the reason they call it Standing Rock is because the only thing you can see within miles is a rock. That's kind of, and it's a strange rock because it's like a little rock, a big rock standing on a little rock. So it's like a big rock standing on a little rock. And they actually said of this particular rock that that rock was built for a sacrifice, for, for uh, you know, animal sacrifice. They said it was built by the giants centuries ago. That the giants that walked the land had built that, 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 that altar for, for satanic worship. I said, wow, the Navajo know more about the Bible than most Christians do. Isn't that interesting? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, giants... Meet me after service. The Nephilim, yeah. So I said, well, where, you know, you go, this is the church you go to? He said, yeah, this is our church. I said, well, where's your house? Because I, I thought like on a reservation, I thought like they would, you know, have, I don't know. I'm, I don't know what to expect. I've never been on a reservation. So I thought there would be like a, a community and then a church nearby. And I said, where do you live? He said, so I live an hour away. I said, where do the members live? He said, oh, they live an hour to two hours away. Some of the members live out of state. We're in New Mexico. And he said, some of the members live in, I forgot what state it was. Huh? Was it Arizona? Some of the members live in Arizona. And they drive three times a week to service from Arizona to church. They're not on a cruise ship, my friend. They're on a battleship. And let me tell you, cruise ship Christianity isn't going to change the city. As a matter of fact, most people with cruise ship Christianity ain't even saving their family members. Family members, alcoholics, drugs, divorced, all kinds of mess in their own family. And they believe in Jesus, but their whole family's messed up. Because cruise ship Christianity can not only not impact the city, can't even impact your own dang life. So we find that 90% of what we see in the, in, the, in the mega church culture, the ministry is soulish realm. It appeals to the soul. It appeals to the senses. It speaks to the, to the soul. It brings encouragement of the soul where the spirit man continues to be little and weak and unable to impact anything. We have a problem in Tulsa, and this problem that we have in the Christians in Tulsa, I'm not talking about the non-Christians, I'm talking about the Christians. The problem we have is that Christians can't produce what they believe. We can't produce what we believe. We believe in healing, but when we pray, people don't get healed. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit, but we don't operate in the gifts of the Spirit. The problem in Tulsa is we think, you know, what we have in Tulsa too, 
uh, what's, what the spirit that's over the city here is the spirit of education. We have all the theology schools. We have, you know, Rhema course, ORU. We had Babiania School, the local church. We had Victory Bible College. And, and there's seminaries and Bible schools. And there, there's so much theology and teaching here that people feel that because they heard the teachings, they have the genuine real thing. But when you can't produce what you believe, you have a problem. Do you hear me? For too long, we have called on the name of Jesus, but not seen the power of the name of Jesus. We have settled for religious activities. Even this week, we talked about with Pastor Randy Hooper about how, you know, we've gone out and we've done so many outreaches. Last year, we we prayed the prayer of salvation with 700 people. But how many of those 700 people have we ever seen again? In church, none. And we think we're doing something because we pray for somebody on the street, but we don't see them again. We don't see their lives changed. We don't see them delivered. We don't see them serving God. We don't see them changed. But we are satisfied with the activities without the results. Because we're on a cruise ship. We have to get hungry for the results over the activities. And one of the main things that was deposited last week, you know, with, with Pastor Hooper in the revival last week, is that we have to get out of activities without results. We can't just be doing Christian things, but the church is not growing. More people are not coming into the pews. More people are not getting baptized. More people are not becoming members. Lives are not being saved. Bodies are not being healed. People are not being set free of addictions. We need to see the fruits of the gospel. Because the gospel, otherwise we're no better than the Muslims. Matter of fact, the Muslims could get a drug addict and get them off of drugs and get them into Islam. And yet in the Christian church, we seem to not even be able to get people off of cigarettes. Isn't that something? So we have settled for religious activities without the power of God. I submit to you today that we have not even tapped into our potential as Christians here in the city. We're still not demonstrating the kingdom of God. We're still not demonstrating the power and the glory of Jesus the Messiah. And we're satisfied with activities. God has more for his church than just religious activities. Somebody say amen. We have thought that the personal blessing of the unction, the, 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 another word for unction, let me say in layman's term, would be the, 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 the joy, the, 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 the stirring of the spirit in our heart that when we pray and we have prevailing prayer and we pray and we pray through and we feel an unction, we feel a confirmation and we get excited and we clap and we have substituted that for the manifestation. When we say amen, but the prayers are not manifested, we're deceiving ourselves. And we've done really good in the word of faith movement to deceive ourselves. I love what 
my pastor and your pastor, Rod Parsley, his daughter, his sister was demon possessed. And a pastor by the name of Norval Hayes saw her manifesting in the service and he, he called her up and he began to pray for her. And he prayed for her, I believe, I, I, I might be wrong, was it five, six hours? It was a whole, you know, it was a whole day. He prayed with her till about the fourth or fifth hour. The demons lifted her up in the air. She was full levitation at a 90 degree angle. And the demons began to pull her out of the church in the air at a full levitation. This is not Africa, my friend. This is in America. This is in Ohio. And so she grabbed onto Norval Hayes' back with her, with her, 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 her fingernails. And she dug her nails into the, into the skin of his back. So she had all her fingernails dug into the skin of his back where he was bleeding all down his back. And the demons were, had her by the feet and they were in, they were pulling her out of the church and, and he was pulling her back from the demon and he was having tug of war. Instead of using a, a rope, he was using a body. Having a tug of war with the demon in the middle of a service. And he sat there and he prayed. Until finally she let out a blood-curdling scream and her body stopped levitating and hit the ground. And she said, he's gone! He's gone! The demon had left his sister Debbie. But nowadays we have pastors that just want to put a little oil on you, pray a 30-second prayer, and just tell you, oh, claim that you have your miracle. Just confess it. Just claim it and confess it. He don't want to sit there and pray for four hours. He just wants you to claim and confess that you have it because he has theology that enables him to be lazy. So we have prayers where we get emotionally stirred up and we say amen, especially if we have a drummer in the church. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, if we have some, some music to back up the prayers, it sounds more powerful. Yet there is no miracles we don't serve a god who's just a god of word but we serve a god who is a god of miracles my friends amen we've gotten comfortable with the counterfeit can you say with me comfortable with the counterfeit we're so comfortable with the counterfeit in tulsa we could even barely Get God to show up in service. When I preach around the world, manifestations, signs and wonders happen everywhere I go. People, angels fly through the room and knock people on the floor and miracles happen. All, I, everywhere I preach, but I come to Tulsa and it's quiet as crickets. Because, you know, I've graduated from so-and-so in 1942. And we've gotten so comfortable with the counterfeit, God doesn't even want to show up. Why should I show up if they're satisfied with the counterfeit, if they're satisfied with the light show, if they're satisfied with the cute teachings and the way I could uh, turn a phrase and they're satisfied with once a week or once a month and once every three months? Why would God bother? To show up. God doesn't force feed anybody. God will not force feed anybody. The scripture says 
He feeds the hungry. He feeds the thirsty. You know, when I used to, back when there was spiritual hunger in America, I remember I went to Rod Parsley's church in the year of Jubilee. It was 1997. It was the year of Jubilee. And I remember I got to the church and I was confused because I had to get to service an hour early. Service started at 10. I had to get there at 9. And when I got there at 9, I had to stand in line to get into the church. And then when the doors finally opened up, 15 minutes to the service, I had to run down the aisles just to get a good seat. And God showed up in miracles. My good friend, uh, um, Bill Kent, we called him Miracle Bill. I don't, I don't know if you've met Miracle Bill, but he was quadriplegic. He, was the, uh, he worked for Attorney General Janet Reno. And he was a very famous man working in D.C. in the government for Janet Reno. How many of you guys heard of Attorney General Janet Reno? He worked for her. He was a quadriplegic. He was hit by a, he was riding a motorcycle and was hit by a train. And he broke his back in 21 places. He was quadriplegic. And he had not walked for 21 years. He was an Olympian in the in the uh, uh, quadriplegic Olympics. He competed as a quadriplegic in South Korea back in the 80s doing the, um, the, the what is it, the puck, shooting the pucks, whatever you call that. Trap shooter. He won a medal as a trap shooter in the South Korean Olympics. He was a very famous quadriplegic. And the Spirit of God, one day he was watching Breakthrough, Pastor Rob Parsons' TV show when back in the 90s. And he saw that he was watching him on the television. And God said, if you go down there, I'll heal you. And he had a CNI dog and he had a van. Uh, he, actually, he was the first one to ordain me. When I graduated Bible college, he ordained me. Uh, he, he had a van. And in his van, he had all these kind of things where he could drive gas and brake all using his hands. So he had the steering wheel, gas and brakes all on the hands, and he had his, his CNI dog. And he came into that miracle service, and Pastor Parsley gave an altar call, and not for a healing, but for a salvation. And he came down to that altar call. And when he was in that altar call, the Pastor Parsley began to pray for people, just a mass prayer, didn't even lay hands on them. And one usher turned to him, and he told, the, he told the, my friend Bill Kent, he said, he said, Stand up on your feet. And Bill said, I can't. And the guy said, well, just try. And then Bill said, I can't. But he realized that while he was saying, I can't, he was standing up on his feet. He had already stood up on his feet and he was saying, I can't. Because his spirit was ahead of his mind. And he was standing on his feet. And the, and the usher said, what do you mean? You're standing already. And he looked down. He said, oh, oh my God, I'm standing and he said, well, can you, he said, have you ever stood, you know, you know, can you walk before? He said, I haven't stood in 21 years. And the doc, we call them Miracle Bill. And that Miracle Bill, that name comes from the newspaper. Because after he was healed and he went back to D.C. to work, he, he, was the, he was in the front page of the local newspaper where he was at in D.C. Miracle Bill. And it had his whole testimony there. And he said, hey, can, can you walk? He said, I don't know, I haven't stood in 21 years. So he gets up. And we're standing up, and he begins to take one step and the second step. And they also said, could you come up the stairs? He said, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, I can't, I've never been able to walk for 20 years. So he walked up to the stairs, first stair, second stair, third stair. He walked all the way up the stairs, 
And then Pastor Parsley was just preaching whatever he was doing his service there. This is the year of Jubilee, you know. And he was having these miracle healing victory services. And, 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 and he looked over here and said, what's going on over here? And the usher said, well, uh, Pastor Rob, this, this man, you know, hasn't walked in 21 years. And Pastor Parsley put the microphone down. What did you say? He hasn't walked in 21 years. You know, Pastor Parsley was so excited to see this miracle. And he came back and he prayed for him. Power of God hit him. He picked him back up. And he had, and the guy, he never, never had to go back to that wheelchair again after that. And he had his CNI dog there. His CNI dog had some kind of diseases. I forgot what the diseases were. And he said, Pastor, can you pray for my dog? My dog is sick too. And pastor said, well, why not? Pastor laid hands on his dog. Pastor Rob Parsley laid hands on his dog, and his dog got healed. Hallelujah. Give God a hand clap for that. Amen. Those kind of miracles could happen at Pastor Parsley's church today. But the people are not hungry. The church in America is on the cruise ship. And we've settled for religious activities. We've settled for doing things in the name of Jesus without the power of Jesus. False prophecies in the church today are okay. As long as they make you feel good. As long as they're for exhortation, edification, or comfort. We just let false prophecies go. And that's even been heightened this last year. Nowadays, false prophecies are like... You know, there was a time you would get stoned to death for giving a false prophecy. And now we still send our offering checks to people who, who have blatantly prophesied falsely. No souls being saved in meetings anymore. Baptismal tanks collecting dust haven't been used in years. Our meetings have been okay as long as we tell the stories of what God used to do. And we've settled for the stories. We're so far from God in our churches today. But the thing is, we're so close. He is the, the same God that, that healed Bill Kenton. 1997 is here to heal the sick today. The difference is our hunger. Our hunger. Amen. Where is the hunger in the American church? We want a 45-minute service. We want to be in and we want to be out. If it's too far from my house, if, if it's too hot, if it's too cold, it's more than once a week, what? I, I'm too busy. Low-key. Episode 5 is coming out this week. I can't make it to church. Hallelujah. <laughs> we want to see signs and wonders in church. But God wants us to be the signs and the wonders. He wants us to demonstrate the signs and the wonders. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Turn to Acts chapter 1 verse 8 in the Bible. I recently just discovered something I never saw before. I'm going to share it with you today. I thought I knew this verse. Hallelujah. Watch this, what it says. 
But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That word witnesses... I always thought meant you tell people about Jesus. You go out and witness your faith. You witness the Jehovah Witnesses. We say it, we call it witnessing. I used to be a Jehovah Witness, so I say we. We call, we call it witnessing. You go out and you witness, you witness, you witness. You tell people about Jesus. But this word witness in the Greek actually is the Greek word mort, meaning death. In other words, God is saying, when you receive power from on high, you shall be a testimony of what God can do through a dead man. Not only Christ being the one who died and now lives, but as you live to God and you are dead to yourself, now the power of God can flow through your life. D.L. Moody said the earth is yet to see. What God can do through a man fully yielded by God. Pastor Randy Hooper said the other night, he said, we noticed that in our meetings that start at 7 o'clock, he said, God usually never begins to move till about after 10. When people begin to leave is when the power of God shows up. Because God will not force feed those who think they know it all. Those who think they're, I got my own connection with God. I, I talked to God, you know, me and God, we got our own understanding. Yeah, God has an understanding that you're sinful and you're carnal and you're hard-headed that's the understanding that God has well I got my own thing going on with God there ain't no such thing as your own thing going on with God it's either the Bible way or no way amen we think a personal relationship with Jesus means that you and God have a little understanding and so you could you know have a little sex before marriage because you know hey after all it's 2021. I got a personal relationship with Jesus. I, I serve God on personal terms. He knows my heart. Your heart is wicked. Do you hear me? Amen. Personal relationship means you personally know God, not the God of your parents and your grandparents. You personally know God. But how do we know if you know God? People who know God want to be in church five, six, seven hours a day, six, seven times a week. They want to read their Bible all the time. They want to worship all the time because they know God. They want to tell people about Jesus because they know God. That's what somebody who knows God, we don't know God in America anymore. We know Christian pop culture. We know the Christian radio stations and the Christian music. But we don't know God because God is holy. Amen. If you know God, you could pray all night if you know God. Hallelujah. If you know God, you could get lost in his word for hours because you know God. Yet Christians today don't even read the Bible. We want to see signs and wonders, but God don't force feed the hungry. God is not a, a one-trick pony. 
to come and perform for us so we could clap our hands and go back to a lukewarm lifestyle. The hungry will find God. The thirsty will find God. And if we don't get hungry in America, we will lose this country. Biden's presidency is a wake-up call that if we don't get hungry, we will lose this country. Every church will be shut down. Not only masks will be mandated, vaccines will be mandated. And the lucky will not die if we don't stand up and begin to follow God with everything that we have in our energy. Mark 16, 17 says this. These signs shall follow those who believe in my name. If signs and wonders don't follow you, if the sick don't get healed when you pray, if demons don't cast out when you pray, if miracles don't follow you, you don't know God. You don't know his name. Because the evidences, the fruits of knowing God is the manifestation of his power. But we have houses of worship erected all over Tulsa and Broken Arrow where they get up and they rant and they rave and they teach about things that they don't even know about. Let me tell you, do you think Tulsa-Jerusalem is bad? Imagine when Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to a heathen land. When Jesus arrived, he arrived in Jerusalem. They were the most religious people on planet earth. When Jesus arrived, the Jews at that time, they could quote the Bible verse by verse. And still, they didn't have the real thing. And Jesus went on and he said, you've heard it said like this, but I tell you that. You've heard it said like this, but I tell you that. They thought that they knew it all. But God was nowhere for 400 years. Do you know from Malachi to the time that Jesus came, there was 400 years of silence? Did you know that? From the time of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, to the time Jesus came, 400 years of silence. So here you have 400 years of pastors, preachers, uh, Christians, so to speak. Bear with me. Of course, we're talking about, you know, Sadducees and Pharisees. And, but you, you know what I'm saying? The modern day church at that time. And they had all the theology schools and the seminaries. And Paul went to the school of Gamaliel, the, the, the number one Christian charismatic university in the world. And, and, and they had all the theology and all the verses memorized. But they didn't even have the voice of God for 400 years. And God was not obliged to speak to them. Why? Because they thought they had the real thing. They had Bibles. They had Torahs. They had scriptures. They, they, they had uh, services. They had givings and tithes and offerings. They had everything. But they had nothing. What they had was Religion. And I submit to you today what maybe 
90% of the landscape of Tulsa, Oklahoma has is religion. Because the evidence, these signs, the evidences, these fruits, these evidences shall be for those who believe in my name. What's it say? What are the evidences? They shall cast out devils. Casting out devils in Tulsa? Are you kidding me? They haven't done that since 1984. Now if you got a devil, they send you to counseling. And a worldly counselor, too. You're right. Didn't they tell you? Didn't you bring one of your children to get uh, ministry from a pastor? And the pastor told you here in Tulsa, take your child to a secular counselor. Didn't that happen to you? So what kind of pastor is this? Somebody comes to the house of God wanting deliverance from alcohol, and they say, sign them up for AA? I guess the pastor is busy with his golf schedule. He has to tee off tomorrow by 7 a.m. He can't pray for someone for four hours to be delivered with demons. But the fruits of them that know God, they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. No, don't do that on the platform. You'll scare people. They won't want to come to church. Do you have an interpreter? This is not the United Nations. We don't need a translator every time you're talking the Holy Ghost. Do you hear me? Amen. It's not the translation of tongues. We don't need someone to give translations. But we need people to be able to interpret what the Spirit is saying. In to the house of God, to the church of the people of God. And I am interpreting to you today what the Spirit of God is saying to Tulsa. Do you hear me? They'll cast out devils. This is the fruits of them that believe in my name. They'll speak with new tongues. Verse 18. They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. You better wear a mask and sit six feet apart because I'm afraid of the coronavirus. When coronavirus hit the world, I went in directly into the hospital that had the most infections where three doctors died and I went into the COVID ward and then I went to the uh, what was it, the COVID ward, the acute respiratory uh, ward. I went to the ER. I went to six of the most viral disease units and had revival services in them. Yeah, and I did that. It's on YouTube and Facebook. You can find the video. I've, somebody filmed some of it. I did that. While churches all across planet Earth had shut down and were, pastors were preaching on Zoom. And when they drove to the Walmart, they were wearing a mask by themselves. In the car, by themselves, with a mask on. And this is the person who's been preaching to you for the last 30 years? 
we don't have Christ. We have religion, a, a form of Christianity, but denying the power thereof. I said, what if someone said, what if you get corona? I said, well, then I die and go to heaven. I said, how come the doctors could risk their life? The nurses could risk their life. The sweeping, there were, when I came to the hospital, there were ladies cleaning the floors. The, the hospital cleaning staff could risk their lives. The, the chefs cooking in the hospital cafeterias, they could risk their lives. And not one pastor is going to the hospital having healing services. But they've collected $50 million in the last three years on a healing ministry. Just give me the tithe off that, please. Hallelujah. And I'll go in there and have a healing service. No, I went there for free. Amen. Because I believe this Bible. And if Pastor Parsley always said it like this, if the gospel doesn't work in crisis, then it doesn't work at all. If it doesn't work with corona, then it doesn't work at all. If it doesn't work with the Delta virus, it doesn't work at all. If the gospel does not work in a time of crisis, if the gospel doesn't work when your baby's being rushed to the hospital, then it doesn't work at all. It's just sermon content for preaching so we can collect the offerings and I can continue to play golf. I don't have any problem with golf. It's just been harder after the COVID wait. It's been a little, little bit harder to swing that bowl. I don't have a problem with golf. Amen. But you hear what I'm saying, don't you? I pray you do. The fruits of those that know God, they cast out devils, they lay hands on the sick. They lay hands on the sick. And then they tell them, just confess that you're healed. Just keep claiming it. Is that what it says there? They lay hands on the sick and tell them to go home and confess these 21 verses for the next seven days and don't call me back. And if you don't get healed, it's because your lack of faith. That's not what the scripture says. He says that when you lay your hands on the sick, they recover. If they ain't recovering, it's because you got a problem in your theology. Because we can't just have belief without manifestation. Does that make sense? For the baby Christian, six months, eight months, I was praying for it, laying hands on everyone to speak in tongues. And nobody spoke in tongues. And I tried every Pentecostal trick there was in the book. I tried pushing them down. Didn't work. I tried telling them, repeat after me, say, buh, 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 And then they did that. They said, buh, 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 buh. I'm like, all right. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. And they just kept, buh, 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 And then I started shaking them. And they're like, buh, 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 buh. Nothing's coming out. Nothing's coming out. I said, well, buh, 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 harder. Then I tried rolling the tongue. Have you guys seen that one before? I said, all right, you got to loosen up the tongue. You got to loosen up the tongue. I mean, I was sweating. I had to take off my jacket. You know, I, you know we're going to get you filled with the Holy Ghost. Put on my, 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 my sneakers and my head bandana. It was a work to get him filled. With, you know, all right, all right. Roll your tongue like this. 
I really did that. And they'd be like, and I said, now speak. And they said, speak what? I said, ah, no, no, don't say that. Keep, keep. I tried that on some Mexicans. They went, I said, no, I don't think that's it. I had to confront there's something wrong with me. Amen. And I, I realized that I must have something wrong. I must just I must just have a head knowledge. If I don't have manifestation, I might just I might just I must have a head knowledge. How do you know if you have a head knowledge? When you have no manifestation, number one. Number two, how many of you believe in hell? Let me see if you, how many of you believe in hell? How many of you have loved ones that are not saved? There was a man by the name of Charles Peace. Can you Google Charles Peace and put his picture on the screen? Charles Peace was a notorious murderer in the United Kingdom. He killed many people. And while Charles Peace was on death row, you might have heard the story. It's a true story. The priest came to read him his last rites. When the priest came into Charles Peace's cell, and he began to read him the, his last rites, and began to read him, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And Charles Peace said, Excuse me, Reverend, I'd I like to ask you a question before you read me my last rites. He said, Sure, young man, what, 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 you know, anything you want to ask, you know, feel free. This is your chance. He said, do you really believe that Bible? He said, I, I do. And Charles P. said, you're a liar. He said, if I believe that there was a hell where the worm dieth not, where people are eternally tormented, from which there is no escape of torture, I would crawl from Liverpool to London on my hands and knees upon glass to beg my loved ones all bloodied up that they would, one of them would repent. He said, you don't believe that, so why should I get out of my jail cell? I submit to you that maybe none of you here believe the Bible. That's Charles Peace. None of you here believe the Bible like you think you do. I sat laid prostrate on my mother's grave, shouting and crying out and screaming for my sister's salvation as she sat there cussing at me. And I said, God, save my sister. She said, you stupid of you. You brought me to our mother's grave to embarrass me. You're broad daylight. Everybody out in the grave are visiting the cemeteries. And I wept and laid on the, my mother's grave, crying out for her salvation. Why? Because I believe my sister was going to hell. If you believe someone's going to hell, you don't invite them to church. Would you like to come because worship with me? No. Oh, okay, well, if you change your mind, 
You don't even believe the Bible. Why should they? If I saw a Mack truck coming down the road and you were in front of that truck and I ran into the road and I pushed you out of the way, would I care if you hated me for knocking you on the floor? No, because I just saved you for being hit with the Mack truck. Yet we leave going to church and being saved like some option. Our family members could take it or leave it if they don't want to. You have your way, I have my way. You don't believe the Bible. You don't believe in a devil's hell. Well, most Christians nowadays in America don't believe in hell. They smoke weed, read the book of Revelation. They say, I think we're living in hell right now. This is some kind of hell we're living in right now. Thou fool. Not only going to hell yourself, but leading every loved one you care about to hell with you. With your lukewarm translation of the Christian truths. It's time for America to wake up. It's time for America to get hungry again. It's time for the children of God to get hungry again. That when I first got saved and today, 25 years later, every time the doors of the church, you think I'm here every time the doors of the church are open because I'm a pastor. I was there every time the doors of the church were open in 1997 when I was a 17-year-old gangbanger. I was there every time the doors of the church were open when I was 19 years old working at the White Hen Pantry. I was there every time that not only every time my church doors were open but god forbid joyce meyer was in town god forbid justin planet was in town god forbid there was benny him was in town i was in every service every revival you couldn't keep me out of church and now we can't get christians in the church once a month once a week i don't know what you got but in 1997 i got saved Nothing else mattered to me but Christ. But you see, you think you're holding on to something. Let me tell you. The Bible says to them that lose their life, they find it. This week we have Dr. Heidi Overton coming from Trump's administration. She'll be here actually next Sunday. She'll be here speaking. And if you're watching my video today and you're in Tulsa, you didn't come today. I'll make sure you don't come in the room next Sunday. Because we don't come to church for to spectate who's going to be speaking. But we're bringing in Dr. Heidi Overton from White House fellow from Trump's administration. She's now working for Trump under the American First Policy Institute. She'll be speaking here on Sunday. Not on politics. She'll be speaking on the Bible. Amen. Hallelujah. This Wednesday, I have government leaders coming in from Mongolia. Government leaders coming in from Virginia. They're coming to this, meet me and spend time with me and work with me. A gangbanger, an orphan, a minority. I'm a Latino, Italian and Latino. You see, God raised me up and God gave me a platform with kings and princes and nobles and government and dignitaries and millionaires and billionaires. God did that for me because I lost my life. I lost, nothing in my life mattered but hearing the word of God, spending time with Jesus, being in the house of God, serving and volunteering, being a part of what God was doing in my church. 
I lost my life and God gave me a life that I never imagined I would have. A, a wife more beautiful than I would have ever imagined I would have. Children more obedient and handsome than I would ever imagine I'd have. Because I lost my life, I found my life. But Jesus said this, those who are looking to establish their own thing, those who are trying to find their life, trying to make things happen for themselves, he said they'll lose their life. The Bible says when you find the kingdom of God, it's like a precious pearl that a man would sell all that he has to buy that one thing. When the kingdom of God, when the word of God becomes the most valuable thing in our life, then we'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Then we'll cast out devils. Then we'll drink in a deadly thing and it will not hurt us. Then we'll speak with new tongues. You know, tongues is too easy nowadays. The old folks had to tarry at the altar and pray and fast to receive tongues. And they cherished the gift. Nowadays we get it easily and we don't even practice it anymore. There's a price to pay for the power of God. And God will not force feed those who feel they know it all. He'll meet the hungry. He'll feed the hungry. And it's my job and my assignment to do the best that I can to preach hunger, to make the people of God hungry here in this city. And when I tell people, come all night prayer, come Monday night, where are you at? Get here to service. And they don't like it because they want to be on a cruise ship. We'll thin them out. But by the time I'm done, we'll find those ready to be in the warship. Those ready to make an impact for the kingdom of God. That if I have to drive two hours for church, you won't be able to keep me out. Hallelujah. If I got to put up a GoFundMe for gas to get to the house of God, I'll hitchhike. Hallelujah. Why do you think the miracles happen in Africa? Some of those people in Africa, they walk for 12 hours to get to a crusade. But when they arrive, they see the power of God. God can't help but to bless you when you make it first priority to seek and to serve God. My little sister's calling me up. I want to say hi to her. I was just telling her story. She's calling me now. She probably wants to say, stop preaching about me. It's embarrassing. Amen. Let's stand to our feet today. We have uh, bags of groceries for everybody here downstairs in the mint room opposite of the restaurant. If you don't need groceries but you know somebody who does, please take two or three boxes. There's also women's products like uh, some kind of lotions and creams and lotions and you know some fragrances and there's some chocolates. I, if my kids have not stole them all and eaten them all, there are chocolates. There are some Twix chocolate bars and we have all those free groceries. If you don't need them, take a couple bags for somebody that might need them. Especially if you live in an apartment complex, you could take those. There's about maybe 30 bags downstairs. So as we dismiss today, please go downstairs and get some groceries for people. Tomorrow night, can you put the extended meetings on the screen? Tomorrow night, we're extending the meetings. We're going to be going. We went last week for Friday. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, 
Wednesday, six days straight. We had one meeting for the leaders on Thursday. So for us church members, we only had one day off, us church leaders. Yeah. We had one day off, then we were back here Saturday night prayer. We prayed from 8 to 1 a.m. last night. And we could have went to 3 a.m., right? We were energetic. We, we could have gone to 3. But I thought, you know what, let's, let's gather early here for a, a help us ministry meeting and so forth. Because we're hungry, hallelujah. And we know God will meet the hungry. The Bible says, them that seek me with all their heart will find him. Ah, I wouldn't come to church just to come to church. I wouldn't do that. I'd rather sleep in, watch Loki. You know, Star, Star Wars and, you know, veg out on the sofa. I come because I'm, I want to meet God. I feel no religious obligation to come and punch in my religious time clock. But I feel a hunger for his presence. To know him in the power of his resurrection. To the point where I sat in front of the police and threatening to put me in jail. I said I'd gladly be arrested and tortured for the cause of my faith. Amen. We pray today, Father, in Jesus' name. We even ask you, we, we pray for the Tuesday night service. Tuesday night we're having a special miracle service. With Pastor Jay Hoskins and Tammy Hoskins. We're going to have a miracle service Tuesday night. And we believe, Father God, that you'll touch lives. That you'll heal bodies, Father God. Here in this house, miraculously by the Spirit of God. We thank you for doing spectacular, marvelous miracles, God. And those hungry for a healing, God, will come early. I'm sure they'll come early and sit in the pews, kneel down in the pews and pray and press into the anointing an hour before service, God. Because we don't expect a microwave miracle, God. We, we, we understand that those who seek you shall find you. And Father God, we'll prove our hunger by our pursuit. The proof of desire is in pursuit. And we'll prove our hunger for you, God. Make us hungry today. Pray with me today. And say, Father, make me hungry. Father, give me a spiritual hunger. Father, give me a Holy Ghost hunger. I can't live this way. I have to see my neighborhood saved. I have to see my city saved. I have to see my nation delivered. I have to see God move in America. I have to see the vaccine mandates overturned. I, I have to see righteousness run like a river through my nation. I cannot accept the people of the wicked. Help me be hungry for you. Father, I ask you to divine leading. Draw me and I will run after you. Divinely bring in the hunger, Father God, into your people. So hungry that they can't sleep at night. They have to open up the Bible. So hungry that they don't come to church once a week. They don't come to church once a month. They don't come to church five minutes too. But they're hungry coming early to seek your face. God, 
proving our hunger for you. And then the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a mighty, mighty standard against the enemy in this nation and in this city and in our lives. When the people of God awaken, when the people of God awaken, when the people of God awaken, awake us out of our slumber, God. Deliver us from sleep. The woke movement is a false movement. The true woke movement is on the calendar of Jehovah. And it begins with the house of God. Awaken your children, God. Awaken those that are called by your name, that claim the name and profess the name of Christ. Awaken your church, O God. In the name of Jesus, Father, this is our prayer today. This is our message to the principalities and powers, to the intent that they will know that the awakening of the church is happening even as I preach this word. And Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise for it today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Praise the Lord. I'm Bishop Joseph Castillo, and this is Living Proofs Podcast. I know you are blessed and encouraged, and I want to invite you today to receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. He died for your sins so you don't have to die in that mucky mire of sin. He had lifted you up, shed his blood so you could be forgiven of everything that you've ever done. And all you need to do is open up the door and let the King of Glory come into your heart with the words of your lips. Repeat after me and God will start a new chapter in your life today. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you now just as I am. I am a sinner born in sin. But God, you sent your son to die for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you. Wash me in the blood. Forgive my sins. Send your spirit in my heart. From this day forward, I have new life. I have boldness to share the gospel with others. And Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you said that prayer, I want you to contact the ministry. You could Facebook us. You could email us. You could Instagram us. We're, we're on all those platforms. Bishop Joseph 
Castillo. Just go to our Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Email me if you want. Bishop at the RiverChurchTulsa.com. And we'd like to give you a free gift so you can understand this new walk with Christ that God has given you today. It's my book called Reality or Religion, The Beginner's Guide to Faith. We'll send you a copy. If this broadcast has blessed you, I want you to share it with others. And I want you to also partner with our ministry. Help us carry the good news of the gospel across the earth. And you can do so at theriverchurchtulsa.com or asiarevival.com. Once again, that's asiarevival.com or theriverchurchtulsa.com. If you need prayer, feel free to call us at 773-599-7197.